Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Mind the Back Chat. And today we are joined by a special guest, and no, it's not Gabs, it's Andrew Noble. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah, thank you for coming down. Really appreciate this. So, first of all, people want to know a little bit about you. So, who are you, Andrew? Well, um, I'm Andrew. I'm a, I'm a laryngeal specialist osteopath over in Guildford, so I practice on the voice. Uh, basically working with performers and speakers to ensure that they're getting the right amount of sound that they want out of what they're trying to do. Fantastic. That's pretty cool. I mean, I actually, my cousin went to Guildford University doing acting, so there's a lot of drama, a lot of yeah, performers so. that come around there. So it's like, is that, do you see like an average age range of patient then um, for that kind of thing? Well, because Guildford is just so suffused with performance schools. I mean, you've got the GSA, PPA, there's like a whole bunch of them just all gathered around there. So I do treat quite a few of their students, particularly as we're sort of coming into finals sort of time now. Yeah. And so people are very stressed and there's a lot of things going on just all over the place, really. I mean, you know, a lot of dance people as well for the more general osteopathy stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, but then a lot of the singing and acting as well, just to help people like projecting and making their way through long shows when they're belting out high notes and all sorts of other things. That's amazing. So are you originally from Guildford or did you just wind yeah, up there? Surrey area-ish. Okay. Um, it's that sort of thing of being in Surrey that you're pretty much half an hour away from literally everything. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm from sort of like Woking area, which again is about 30 minutes from thirty minutes from Guildford. Yeah. 30 minutes from, yeah. 30 minutes is my <laughs> average time of anything. Nice, <laughs> nice. So I, I suppose the question that really comes in is how did you really get into being a laryngeal specialist? What was it that made you so fascinated towards that? Uh, well, I had a sort of big background in singing and acting when I was younger. I did a lot of choral music, um, a lot of um, sort of stage performances and things like that, and a little bit of very small TV work when I was very young. But TV work? Hang a second, have we got a superstar in our midst right now? Come on, what happened? Uh, well, it was um, purely luck for the most part of it that a friend of mine, his dad was a producer for a number of TV shows that you might have known from youth, things like um, Art Attack. Um, but there was a cooking show that he was um, doing for a channel at the time um, that needed kids to come in and make jam with this puppet. No, wait, was and it so called? And so I was there making strawberry jam. I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> but it was a hit. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was an absolute star from an early age. Art Attack. That's, all, that's really cool. That's really, and so it was, it was on the Art Attack studio floor that you finally went, I oh, want to treat the laryngeal. Yeah. Osteopathy is the way to go. <laughs> so I guess that, that does bring us on to our next question then. Like, Why osteopathy? Well, um, originally uh, when I was sort of going through what do I want to do when I grow up and you know, what do I want to sort of be, a part of me was thinking, you know, acting, singing, I like that sort of performance side of things. But that's also not always the most stable career path to go into. And there's, you know, a very, there's sort of a very awkward likelihood of whether or not you'll actually get very far in it. But at the time, I was really interested in um, forensic pathology. Um, I just really got into the idea of being the weird person down in the basement of all the police shows. It's, you know, taking the bodies apart and figuring everything out. Yeah, taking the bodies apart and figuring it out. Yeah. Not just taking the bodies apart. Not just taking the bodies apart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that idea of, you know, like basically biological puzzles to be solved. Amazing. And so that sort of led me down that path for a bit. I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll go into this. And I don't quite remember when it was, but I thought, it's probably best if I do this while people are still alive. <laughs> and so that took me into thinking, well, do I want to do surgery? Because that's the only sort of other manual, like, hands-on medicine that I could think of at the time. Of course. Um, just because I, I hadn't had that much sort of experience with physio or chiro or osteo or anything really for um, quite a long time at that point. Yeah. Um, but it was around the time where I was sort of deciding, okay, well, what do I want to study? 
Yeah. Uh, that I was performing a piece. I was getting ready for this big sort of choral production of a piece called St. Bar- John's Passion by Bach. Okay. Which is a massive book. I mean, it's like, it's like a good like four inches of just pages of music. Sounds wow. And I was, you know, rehearsing this for eight to ten hours a week. Just standing with this book in my hands, supporting it. The only thing that was moving was my left arm to turn pages. Okay. And so my right shoulder just completely locked up. I mm. could not move it. And somebody at the time said, you should go and see an osteopath. Okay. And yeah, I went to an osteopath and they <laughs> worked on my shoulder and it just sort of clicked that... Here you are. That, yeah, this is, this is it. This is like hands-on medicine. It's changing health with yourself. It's not just like prescribing medication. It's actually that sort of physical side of figuring out problems. That was very smooth, by the way. You just went, I went to see an osteopath. And it just clicked. And then I was like, oh, okay. That was because I was like, yes, that was very good. So I, I suppose another sort of question that follows with that is, what does laryngeal osteopathy entail? What is it that actually makes your treatments different from, let's say, someone who is completely biomechanical? What is your approach to treatment? A large um, sort of difference in the treatment is that I actually treat through the front of the neck. Okay. Um, so a lot of osteopaths, uh, we you know sort of talk, work the back of the neck, the sides. You don't really work through the front of the neck like all the that much. The hyoid and everything else. I do a lot of manipulation around the hyoid and around the roots of the tongue. Is that more BLT kind of stuff that yeah, you do? Yeah, sort of BLT. Um, Balancing sort of, ligaments tension. That's the one. Sorry, just for, just <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know. Over. I get that comment quite a bit on my notes. <laughs> I mean, I bet that's caused a bit of strain, people eating that too quickly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if they're swallowing too large a bite of that. <laughs> Um, it's quite a lot of myofascial work as well, so yeah. sort of myofascial release, so just taking things over, holding them for periods of time, um, small inhibitions onto tight musculature around the place, because your voice is a muscular system. Mm. You know, it works just the same as everything else. And so if you're, you know, say I, I sort of go run a marathon and then I want to try and like run a sprint the next day, I'm going to really suck at that sprint. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing happens, you know, if you're talking for a long period of time, the next, like one day, and you suddenly want to be using your voice a lot the next day, yeah. that's going to be hard without proper training, without actually looking at the tensions you've got around the throat. Is that what you're thinking right now? You're like, oh my gosh, tomorrow I'm going to try and speak and these guys have absolutely <laughs> killed me. I oh, know, I'll do a lot of vocal care when I get back, a lot of steaming and various other bits. <laughs> so is there a, a muscle in particular that you go that's usually the key to unlocking a lot of the area? One of the things I tend to work a lot on is the root of the tongue. Okay. Um, so your tongue is a massive muscle. How would you do that? And so it's quite simple, just going in underneath the jaw. Okay. Basically coming in front of that sort of coracoid, um, coracoid, okay, coracoid process, that's the you one. You got it, yeah. Yep. Um, it's that little sort of space basically between the jaw and the coracoid process and the larynx that you're working up in under there and you can hear a slight change in the voice already. Because um, yeah. I'm sort of changing the resonance of the chamber. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like the tongue is a massive muscle, and you know, for its, yeah, it's like the only muscle we've got that is connected on I mean, one that, end. <laughs> that, that that sounds quite funny to me. If I'm not going to lie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> is this what people? Do? Is this how you used to do like the fake phone calls on the TV shows? It's like I know where you live. Well, actually, it's um. Actually, it does relate to a sort of small part of that sort of voice, voice acting, voice mm. industry, because the, you know, the iconic sort of SpongeBob laugh is done by contacting the larynx from the outside. Yes, it oh, is. So wow. to get that sort of choppy texture to it. I thought the guy was just doing it for fun. No. <laughs> just <crazy laughs> no, it's actually sort of like how he gets that like choppy texture to the laugh, because it is just stopping and starting the vibration. That, I think what's really cool is the same voice actor that does SpongeBob is the same voice actor that does uh, the pirate at the start. 
Yes. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Talk more, about range. <laughs> Talk more, about range. The more you know. But that comes on to examination process then mm. for if you're trying to assess for these tight muscles, yes, you can do it through touch and maybe sometimes you see it and if you're feeling certain areas. Mm-hmm. But do you therefore do any kind of vocal work with them to try and figure out or assess if it's improved or not? So a large part of sort of figuring out what's going on is listening to people speak and listening to them use their voice to try and figure out which bits aren't moving as well as they should. Yeah. And so, you know, if somebody's got a lot of tension above, the, above that sort of larynx and hide, you're going to get a lot more of a strained tone because things are tightening up. If they're... Uh, is being sort of held more um, inferiorly, sort of being dragged downwards. They're going to have a more breathy quality because the vocal folds aren't able to close properly. And so a lot of like how somebody sounds can tell you a lot about what their larynx and what their voice is doing. And, to, and apart from that being a lot quite a, a, an acute sign that you would probably pick up and other people mm. might not, especially if, you, if it's their first time of meeting them, mm. Is there any other kind of uh, common signs or symptoms you might notice in somebody with these kind of tight muscles? So a lot of what you see with it is that people find their voices are fatiguing quicker. So they sort of get to the end of the day and they just feel really worn out. Their voice will feel really gravelly. They'll just feel sort of horrible by the end of the day. A long day of being an osteopath. Long day of being an osteopath, having long chats with people. And, and do you feel as though even on a day-to-day basis, you're kind of listening to people, you're talking to people, and you're almost analysing exactly <laughs> what's going on with them? Because, I mean, well, I, mean, I do sure that when I see people guess, walking. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, you, you know, you see people walking around, you're looking at people and you're thinking, yeah, there's probably something going on there. I can see like the habits you've got in life. And you can get that with the voice as well. Because um, it's, you know, you, when you're listening to something, to listen to it, to diagnose it, you, the best way to get better at that is just to listen to more people. So talking to us right now... What would you say about George? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so listening to us right now, listening to me, what are you hearing? So what I'm hearing is that you tend to bring your voice quite far back in your throat. Because I'm trying to be cool. Because you're trying to be cool, and it's that sort of <laughs> deeper intonation. Um, whereas Gabs tends to bring it a little bit further forward. Oh, okay, I see. Um, and did you do a lot of sort of phone calls and conversations recently or sort of over You're the always lockdown? on a meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when we're speaking over sort of Zoom and that sort of thing, people do tend to bring their voice forward because um, it's the same sort of thing we have with telephones that we've got that sort of mental thing of they're further away and I need to enunciate better. And so to do that, we bring our voice forward very much sort of behind the teeth. That is sick! <laughs> that is sick! <laughs> I'm not going to lie, this is very cool. I, I Wait, so now so when you're how... speaking more in person, you know, it tends to be a little bit more deeper and more relaxed because you're not yeah. so worried about projecting something to the side of a room if the person you're talking to is about five feet away from you. Ah, now, I'm trying, is... now I'm trying to think, how do I bring my voice forward? Yeah, <laughs> but also I'm trying to think, okay, how do I kind of like, I, I need to relax my, oh, is that it? I, I need to just relax it here? So, yeah. me, so, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, so the best way to sort of find a natural tone is just to like sigh and then just let your voice happen. So. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> I sound like one of those Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft. Ha. Ha. Okay, okay. So how so with that with that being an element, would you say that's something that need would need or require? No, so with a lot of things, it only tends to become a problem for people once it stops working as well. Now you've probably been speaking this way for years and it's not been having too many problems. Yeah. If you then started, you know, doing things you wanted to like you know, change what you were doing. So you wanted to start projecting louder, doing more public speaking, um, just speaking for longer periods of time to a wider range of people. Yeah. Then, you know, Much. I could probably give you a bit of help just to like help relax the voice and get you used to that sort of projecting technique. So you're obviously there at the uh, Logitech Osteoalyzer. Oh, yes. Uh, can we, <laughs> don't start laughing. Because <laughs> you know I had to give a talk. Well, I know that it was, uh, what was the word? Uh, sick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
so we're all Farewell. there. We're all there going, okay, we, we have George in front of everyone and he's there. He's about to speak about the amazing, Our amazing I mean, Logitech ambassador. Yeah. And he's there saying about the experience and he finishes off. He's like, all I can say about the product is it's just sick. Well, thanks a lot for making me sound like a, a gnarly California surfboarder. Yeah, so what I can say about it is it's sick. No, I was like, I didn't know how I was to describe it. You know, I'm putting a young tone on things. If, if you were me, you would know how painful my back was at that moment as well, because I was tensing every muscle in my leg to stop my knees from shaking. So, yes. We would need to do some work in the future if I'm going to do it again. Yeah. But it was my first time speaking. Yeah. I asked everybody. They oh, said it went well. down great. Yeah, and the well. Logitech team loved it. So, you know, yeah. you know <laughs> leave me alone, guys. Jeez. As if I wasn't subconscious. Not subconscious. Yeah, you know, this plays into like a massive psychological aspect with the voice. Because your voice is basically how you communicate to other people. It's how you like interact with a large portion of the population. So now you're seeing it get slowly higher as well as I get yeah, more nervous. you get a bit more nervous and see so you're bringing the you're getting that sort of extra tightness in the voice because you're feeling a bit more nervous. So the jaw's tightening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take over. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I think the way we can kind of lead on from this is let's go with the type of patients that you kind of see because, yes, you may be a specialist, but being in the practice that you are, do you honestly see maybe like 90% of people with laryngeal problems or what is your other kind of niches? Yeah, Yeah, so I'm probably about 70 for 30 in terms of laryngeal patients to general osteopathy at the moment. Um, That's just because a lot of the performance schools come back so I'm getting a lot of the sort of indraft of like students coming back in from over the summer and so I've got quite a few of them at the moment. Usually I'm about sort of maybe 60, 40 on the laryngeal stuff on a sort of good month. Wow. But it varies month to month and it varies based on sort of, you know, how much people sort of have in the pocket at the moment to come and see me for that sort of thing. Of course. Um, versus the more sort of traditional osteopathy things we'll see, you know, sort of sports injuries, bad backs, all that sort of other bits and pieces that people will come to us with. Very cool. Yeah, but I mean, that that's pretty impressive considering if I was to look at my sort of patient list, uh, the... If I was to put a ratio of how many people come to me with specific problems, I think it would really be a sort of 15, 15, 15, 15 continuously. It wouldn't be a sort of uh, such a huge chunk of people coming to me just for one singular body part. I'd say like, obviously right now I was thinking about is yesterday, the trends of which we're seeing. So I'm seeing a lot of neck and upper back problems at the moment. Like mm, on mm-hmm. Saturday I had 10 patients yeah. and I saw eight people with the same thing, similar yeah, we thing. We see a lot of these trends sort of going around in osteopathy a lot. That's you know, it. Like, depending on the time of year and what people are doing, we'll see a trend in what's going on with the body. Um, I find particularly um, sort of about three weeks after January, I'll get a lot of back and knee problems. Christmas. Because it's people making Christmas and skiing. and skiing, and it's people making New Year's resolutions that they're going to go to the gym this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who perhaps haven't been for a while. <laughs> and at the moment, a very big one for me is sublux ribs. Hmm. Always like a yeah. To be, I must admit, I've I've done a bit of rib work. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had a couple of ribs yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And Do you find, <laughs> sorry, yeah, go on. Um, I, I mean, for me, uh, the way I kind of would describe the rib problem is. In my opinion, it's people actually trying to get ripped and shredded for the summer, so they're overworking, mm. and then they'll do something funny, as in go to sleep a bit funny or whatever it is, because they've been partying, and then that rib <laughs> just doesn't like it and pops out. Yeah, and well, that brings me on to my next point as well. Obviously, 
with singing and talking a lot, you're having to do a lot of breathing to continue and mm. keep that tone and that pitch. Um, so you do do a lot of, if you're testing somebody for their uh, larynx and everything, you're mm -hmm. testing all the muscle around the area, how much of that do you spend looking into the ribs and the diaphragm as well? Uh, so you know, you approach it the same as you'd approach anything else in osteopathy. You're not just looking at the bit that hurts. Yes. You want to look at the whole system. Yeah. And so I do a lot of rib testing, a lot of diaphragm testing as well. Um, we're looking through that sort of whole vocal tract. Uh, we can even, you know, look at their posture to see what it is they're doing when they're trying to perform that might be holding them back. Because um, people will have, you know, a tendency... Um, you see in saxophone players a lot, um, because they tend to be twisted just by the nature of how they hold their instrument, they're going to have more tension on one side of the neck than the other. They're going to have the ribs, most likely on the left-hand side if they're a right-handed player, um, the ribs on the left-hand side are going to be more likely to have a problem because they have to bunch them up to lift the saxophone. So a lot of what I do is a lot of just looking at people and figuring out, okay, well, what do you do? What are your habits? Well, that's it. Our posture is completely determined by what we do on a daily basis, isn't yeah, it? So absolutely. If, if you see somebody sat at a desk all day, their head's yeah. more likely to be a bit forward. Head's more likely to be around. a bit forward. The back's more likely to be a little bit, that sort of low doses is going to be a little bit reduced just because most seats tend to be sort of vaguely bucket shaped. They do tend to sort of bring us backwards a little bit and give us that sort of folded over position. So, And I suppose if, if you are sort of in that head forward, head carriage uh, posture, then potentially you might find that these people will have slightly elongated anterior muscles, which Absolutely, can then yes. cause problems. Which can then cause an increase in tension because they're being held at a constant amount of stress. Mm. And that constant stress, you know, the body will react to try and basically look after you, so it will tighten those ones that are under stress, so they're not going to overstretch. But that just means you end up with tight muscles in a different sense that aren't working particularly well. Because I have this sort of philosophy around the body that it's always trying to keep you alive and moving. Yes. Comfort doesn't come into it. <laughs> Do you know, and that, that's amazing. That's so true, isn't it? Like mm. when an area becomes restricted or a muscle becomes tight or strained, it, the body finds a way of compensating elsewhere, locking mm. that area off and going, right, we'll focus here. Yeah. Like, That's why most We need to keep you working. We need to keep you moving. Yeah. We don't necessarily need to be comfortable as long as you're alive. And that's, mm. and that's what a lot of people say. It's like, as long as you're, you know, there's no such thing as perfect posture as long as you're functioning. Mm. There's no such thing as poor posture as long as you're functioning. Yes. Um, and that's what it's all about, making sure is keep it functioning. And I suppose on the other aspect of that, if you are going to try and keep people moving and functioning, so what are your approaches to, let's say, someone with a laryngeal problem, what are the type of exercises you would give them? So a lot of it is actually stuff that I'd use in um, sort of vocal practice, so singing and like, acting Please, techniques. demonstrate. <laughs> and so one we can do is that sort of similar thing we've done previously with that sigh down into the chest and going into sort of just a natural voice. Huh. Huh. It's just there to help try and drop the larynx down um, because we want to try and get that sort of envision, envision, envisioning, that's the word. <laughs> is this another one of the tests? Oh <laughs> uh, no, this is just me in general, just not being able to say words in the correct order. It's but, sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, we want we to... We are humans. <laughs> Yeah, we want to like improve that mobility, mm. and so the best way to do that with the voice is to get people moving their voice. Okay. So doing little sirens up and down, so just. Mm. Gabs, take it away. <laughs> is that more of a hum, or would you want to? Is that what you're yeah, aiming so for? A hum is still a vibration. The only difference is whether or not you have your mouth open or closed. Ah. <laughs> Like the, only, like the only way that we can hum is, you know, oh. we have to have the air coming out of somewhere. And so when you hum, the only difference between that and going mm, with an open mouth is that you've just closed your mouth and the sound's coming out your nose instead. I hope somebody's listening to this 
and I was falling asleep, not because they're bored, but just because they listen to it as to help them fall asleep. And then they wake up to, ah, <laughs> <laughs> just started. So totally normal conversation. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, what happened? Ah. It's like they just see a paralysis demon in the corner of the room. Ah. <laughs> Insidious just got terrified. Oh God, is that the Minecraft villager? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> That old meme of like, there's a baby on the desk who just like put his oh, hand the peanut, the peanut butter baby. And he's just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone off track massively. Um, okay, so that's two. Is there another one? Uh, we'll look at diaphragm breathing as well. Okay. Because um, you know the main way that you can actually create voice is that you need to have air to use. Yes. And so if you're not breathing well properly, in inverted commas, if you're not breathing in the sort of way that gives you enough air to work with, you're not gonna improve. So will you go for something a bit like cube breathing to kind of work on that? Yes, we'll start with cube breathing and um, focusing that sort of moving the breath down into the diaphragm, which, yeah. you know, the diaphragm's the bit that does the breathing anyway, but it's just an easy way to visualize where that sound's going. Um, but the other way is actually exhaling as well. I felt like when I said cube breathing, you kind of went like, yeah, we'll start with that, like this basic dude over here. <laughs> and for the people out there that don't know what cube breathing is, it's essentially uh, four second uh, breath in, four second hold, four second breath out, and then four second hold, and you repeat that constantly. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. we discussed it with Dan, didn't we? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I wanted to kind of add a little bit of a sprinkle of uh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> curiosity. Um, is there in any sort of way that your exercises, especially to do with the diaphragm, have any sort of impact on the central tendon? Hmm. That is a good question, but I've not well, thought too much. Sort of, well, yeah. I imagine it would because it's, it's all connected, isn't it? Yes. If we go to that classic <laughs> all fascia, principle, everything's <laughs> connected by fascia, it would have a, an impact. Yes, yeah, so I mean, if you're holding a lot of tension around the diaphragm and it's not moving to its full extent, that's going to be having an impact on the, fa on the fascia overall. Mm. And that's going to mean that tendon isn't getting the same amount of stretch that it's used to having. And if the, if the diaphragm's tight, it's going to play with the abdominal cavity and mm -hmm. also the pelvic cavity and all the cavities in the body, yeah, so absolutely. it's going to apply extra you know, stress. This diaphragm is a massive pump that we have in our body that drastically changes what the inside of our body is doing. Yes. Mm. Like, it is a hugely important thing, um, but it tends to be tight in quite a lot of people anyway, just because it takes quite a bit of energy to use that whole muscle, when it's much easier, particularly when we're sitting down, to just use the accessory muscles of breathing, so the, above the neck, through the front of the ribs, through everything, to just sort of a little bit of breathing, that'll do. And because it's such an internal muscle and one that we use so subconsciously, and you don't even think about on a day-to-day -day basis, like if you go to the gym and you do a bicep curl and you pull your muscle there, you're like, oh, I can see it, I can feel it. Mm. Whereas the diaphragm, you don't understand these things. And so when I do it with patients and it kind of goes in their head, like, oh my gosh, it's so important. How have I mm. never thought about it? Because again, it affects our digestion. Right. It affects our and breathing. It's, yeah, it's, and it's our actually a massive physics. bump for our circulation as well. Massively. Because, um, you know, blood that goes down to your legs hasn't got a whole lot to push it back up again. And as mm. we get older, those veins lose their elasticity, the valves and them get a little bit less able to sort of move properly. Yeah. And so blood becomes really easy, it becomes really easy for blood to just pool in the legs. But the diaphragm is actually a huge help in that, in basically pumping the blood and the lymph back up from the It's not the just the, the heart. No. Could you imagine, if, yeah, because when you think about it, the heart's that small, hmm. and if you compare it to the diaphragm, it's, it's like a massive cape, isn't yeah. it? It's just <laughs> a constant suction pulling in and out. Yeah, but uh, also on top of that, I wonder whether... The lungs. 
Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but I wonder whether in the future we would sort of find that actually if we were to try and emphasize any sort of exercise management plan where we are giving some sort of contribution to the central tendon, whether that could have an effect on the parasympathetic tone, sympathetic tone and autonomic system yeah. in regards to managing stress and office lifestyle and burnout. Yeah. Yes. Was that a question? It started out as a question, <laughs> and it ended as a statement. Like, oh, no, 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 no. More like, more like. I, I'm just thinking about the the grand scheme of things of how uh, these breathing techniques and singing techniques and the connection between laryngeal osteopathy onto its effect on stress and anxiety. Massively, yeah. And so this is what I was originally looking to sort of do for my dissertation. I didn't in the end just because of various sort of mix-ups with room booking and that sort of thing that I wasn't the best at dealing Sorry, with at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't know anything about Systematic biceps reviews. oh, I can do that. <laughs> um, Systematic reviews. Yes, you know, if you're able to like breathe deeper, take in more oxygen, that's going to create more oxygen in the lungs that will then enter the bloodstream. Yes. Um, you know, when we see people you know, having like panic attacks or having problems with anxiety or even palpitations, kicking in that parasympathetic system, we just tend to get people to, you know, take a deep breath, do your square breathing, do not breathe into a paper bag. Yeah, that's yeah. just inhaling yeah. more carbon dioxide. It's yeah. not going to be helping it's you. It's only going to make it worse. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> do you want to suffocate yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nice. Um, okay, so where did you study, I guess? Because we didn't even ask you that, because obviously I'm a European School of Osteopathy student. I'm a University College of Osteopathy, formerly known as BSO. Are you an LSO? No, I was at uh, Swansea University. Were you? Okay. It was... Look, in also sports known as the, day, uh, the party university yeah, for the sports yeah. days. It was, it, on sports day, it was Swansea <laughs> and UCO against ESO. Don't, yeah, every everybody didn't like the ESO just because we were so far superior on the on the on they the. They just didn't know how to party. They just did not know how to party. Uh, so excuse me, excuse me. I'm not having that. Okay, <laughs> I'm not having that. I was I was the fun one. Okay, you were the only. Hey, I was probably, sick. I was sick, guys. You were probably the only fun one. <laughs> uh, Thanks, all taking it so so seriously. Yeah, yeah, because it's all we had. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's literally it was my favourite part of the year every year. So I was going to take oh, it. It's always amazing. Yeah, absolutely loved whenever like you lost. come down and. Yeah, I mean, like we were there. We were on like what a three-hour, four-hour coach, coach journey. Yeah. If we weren't pissed by the end of that, <laughs> I was going to say like that's the whole point. You've just taken a massive trip over. You want to have a mad time. Oh, so yeah. like yeah, by all means, that's why we. And loved we will it. go hard into anything that we had a chance to go hard oh, into. We absolutely loved it when. <laughs> Once he came down, it was it was so yeah. good, and like BSO, we just had at the time BSO yeah, now yeah, UCO. Yeah. We just had a massive. There was just always like a very much uh, like a higher competitive competitive drive against them. It was just and like we, we have to, to be just, better. We used to just bully LSO. <laughs> I'm so sorry for LSO, but we used to bully because only like three so people bad. would ever turn up. Yeah, yeah, there'd be like three or four people. <laughs> but like the issue was when you start chanting ESO, 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 it starts to sound like BSO, BSO, <laughs> and we're like, no. <laughs> so when when people are drunk and they're hearing that, they're like, they switch sides, they switch sides. Um, now. Before, when you arrived, obviously we were having just some small chit chat. Obviously, you're more than just uh, an osteopath. You're more than just a laryngeal oh, yeah, specialist. Yeah, exactly. We are complete people, and I always like to ask certain questions that you know you might not normally get given hmm. on any given day. So, if you were about to die, what would be the last meal that you would have? <laughs> so, I've had a fair bit of thought about this one. I was going to say you've had about thirty minutes now. Oh, it's. I think main course, there is one meal which I've always wanted to have, which is called an a timpano. 
Oh, oh, oh. What, what, is, what is that? And what this is is basically a baked pasta dish. Okay. Um, <laughs> Italian? Yeah. Like you basically take a massive sheet of pasta, you fill it with basically anything you put into a lasagna and like meatballs and just everything, close that up and bake it. And then you slice that and serve it as slices. That is sick. But it takes forever to make. And I will get around to making one eventually. So when you ask me, like, I want a fresh one. So yeah. you're just like, God, he's got so much time. <laughs> like, to be honest, if I'm going to die, sod the calories. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a massive thing of pasta. And then uh, what would you finish that with dessert? Uh, so there was uh, one place where I went to get dessert, which was a five-star hotel in Canada. Sounding very fancy. I only went in there for dinner on the way back from an airport. Nice. <laughs> Um, but they did a creme brulee in there. And Ooh. creme brulee is my favourite dessert respect. ever. Game respects game. When it's done well. When it's done well, there is nothing better than a creme brulee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yours, what's your main, what's your dessert? So my main, you'd be very unsatisfied to hear that it is a perfectly done spaghetti carbonara. Uh, to be honest, I love, car- I love carbonara. <laughs> now, is this actual carbonara or is this the weird English version? Nah, 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 the real stuff, the one where, you know, you get the egg yolk and you just mix that in with the parmesan. I can hear your Italian coming too, though, the way that you said the word, yeah. Uh... And then I'd finish that off with a dessert. So I love my desserts and I think you cannot beat, uh, I'm going to go a bit freestyle here but a melt-in-the-middle chocolate pudding with vanilla ice cream on top and a drizzle of Baileys. Might have to do that tonight, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'd say my dessert would be creme brulee as well, but I just, personally, you can't beat a good burger. Like Mm. a proper juicy burger. Have you had a burger with blue cheese? Who puts blue cheese in a burger? Yes, I can't stand cheese in basically oh, any form. Right. So. That, that would make me gag, which I'm going to mess up my larynx yeah. and it'd mess up everything. And I'd go from speaking like this to, to uh, speaking like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, but I, okay, I love blue cheese, so you know, you're I'm, on your I'm own. out of the question yet. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. How does, how does that make you feel? Put my mouse down. <laughs> but it is an absolutely amazing mouse. Okay, no, we're not doing this right now. Look, we went to the Logitech uh, event, and I kid you not, was I, was, I was a newbie in that, <laughs> so I didn't really know anything about Logitech. And to be honest with you, this has been an absolute game changer. Oh, yeah. They gave me one, and the thing is, it took no time at all for me to get used yeah, to it. I got used to it so quickly. I well, got back, just switched out my mouse, and was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. You guys are making my life as an ambassador so much easier. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to bring this product to you guys because, yeah. When I switched, I kid you not, I started showing this to clients and saying, look, have a little feel of it. Don't, don't take my word for it. Have a little feel. Move it about. And I kid you not, every single one said, it feels natural. Mm-hmm. It yeah. does feel yeah, so I mean, like, natural. If you think about it, like computer mice have stayed the same since like the 70s or like the yeah. 80s when computer mice sort of first came in as being a way to interact with a computer. And since then, it hasn't really changed all that much outside of very specific, like, materials. And look but, how like, stylish it is as well. Yeah, I mean, like, Logitech making, like, a mouse that is, like, suits people and is also stylish and affordable. Actually yeah. looks, like, 
was, like a decent way to like actually use a mouse. I must admit, I was very lucky to be brought on, on to the ambassador uh, role for Logitech and seeing how they designed it and made it. Honestly, the thought process, you go in there and think like, oh, maybe this would be good. But then they go the step higher with what materials mm. to use and everything like that. And it, it really does blow you away. Yeah, but, so much research into them. So, okay. So what I've also discovered is a real mouse enthusiast now. Oh, yeah. Logitech, <laughs> yeah, the lift mouse. Check it out. They do left-handed ones as well, mm -hmm. which if you look on Instagram, uh, Dapper Cairo recently got given... Uh, a left one so you know I had a patient actually ask me that like oh I'm left handed there. and I was like we got you <laughs> uh, but uh, no I think I think that's a good place to to call it there for today yeah, um, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on you, amazing pleasure you, we, I've, we've, we, we've had you planned to come in for ages it was just trying to put the logistics Scheduling, together yeah. oh, honestly <laughs> um, with train strikes and everything as well mm. but uh, honestly thank you so much for coming in today uh, it's, it's good to be here it's been an absolute <laughs> you've, you've blown my mind and also yeah my jaw dropped but that was also because of some inhibitory techniques <laughs> and on that note yeah everyone have a great day best day and best day ciao for now ciao for now <laughs> ciao for now yeah, yeah.